Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. Summer is out today, and today is our new um, slot. We just moved from 11 a.m. to 12 noon every Thursday here at WMNF 88.5. Thank you for joining us. So um, if you're new to the show, which you shouldn't be, or maybe um, you're used to having music at this time, um, WMNF uh, changed their schedule around, and now this is a public affairs news hour. Show is called True Talk. It's a global affairs show with a focus on the Middle East and the Muslim world. My name is Ahmed Badir. My co-host is Samar Jarrah. Today we're going to be speaking about Turkey, uh, or as uh, they call it, Turkey, which uh, just held their second round of uh, presidential elections. It just wrapped up last Sunday, and the results surprised many people, especially in the West, that President Recep Tayyip Erdogan uh, remained in power and was re-elected, chosen by his people. We're going to be speaking with uh, an es- expert um, live from Istanbul about those results. That and maybe even time for some phone calls. Uh, stay tuned. This is True Talk on WMNF. We'll be right back. Welcome back to True Talk on WMNF 88.5. Um, 
This was um, a Turkish pop song. I'm not really sure what they're saying, but today's show is about uh, Turkey and the recent elections that took place there. And um, last Sunday was actually the runoff elections for the presidential race, which uh, two weeks earlier uh, ended up um, with Recep Tayyip Erdogan, who has been president there for some time, um, leading and winning, I guess, out of uh, the candidates that were running. Um, he received some 49.5% of the vote. However, uh, the laws, election laws there require that the winner has to have 50% or more. And because um, he didn't clinch that, there was a runoff election that just took place two weeks later, which ended up being last Sunday. And Erdogan cemented the win there by winning um, 52% of the vote. Um, for some reason, my um, host, my guest is saying can't hear anything. So I'm not sure what's happening, um, but I'm going to try to have him uh, come on shortly. Let me see. This happens all the time with um, with live shows. Sometimes they do, and it's not convenient when we're live on the air. So, um, Frank, if uh, Frank, you can uh, come to my studio, that would be great. But um, as I was saying, the according, and this is a um, article from um, the Guardian writing earlier this week. Um, so, we'll be right back after. Um, this uh, music break when we fix what's happening. Okay, so I think I figured it out. So um, right now, as I was saying, the Turkey election results um, that happened last Sunday was the runoff election. And that runoff election um, led to President Recep Tayyip Erdogan um, being reelected, and with 52% of the vote. So I'm going to be uh, speaking to an expert from Turkey, and I think he's live with us now, and uh, to talk about those results and uh, what to make of this re-election. So uh, my guest is uh, Dr. Tarek Sharkawi is the director of the TRT World Research Center. And Dr. Sharkawi is an expert in the field of strategic communications analysis. He is the author of uh, The News Media War, The Clash of Western and Arab Networks in the Middle East. It was published in 2017. Uh, Dr. Sharkawi holds a master's degree in strate strategic studies from the National University of Malaysia and a PhD in media and communications from Auckland University of Technology in New Zealand. Welcome to True Talk, Dr. Tariq Sharkawi. Uh, Dr. Tariq, are you there? Yes, um, I said thank you for having me. Okay, well, thanks for being on. And it's been uh, some really interesting times in uh, Turkey um, if you can just uh, recap, um, or first, what was your initial reaction when you found out that uh, Erdogan won uh, the runoff race, which took place last Sunday? Were you surprised? Was it a surprise to you? Was it a surprise uh, to people around you? Uh, 
Well, uh, to be honest, for uh, people who are uh, analyzing closely on the ground, um, this was no real surprise. We knew that uh, President Erdogan um, is a seasoned politician. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's a machine campaigner. He has won already uh, 12 elections before that. He's unbeaten since 2002. And this includes, uh, you know, legislative election. It includes uh, mayoral elections. It includes presidential elections. So we knew that uh, he's capable of uh, raising this challenge, even though the challenge this time, to be honest, was far greater than any other time before. Uh, but we knew that it's going to be a tough fight and that uh, he is going to do uh, good at the end, ultimately, which happened. Uh, even there was a runoff. But, to, you know, in, in, in earnest, uh, President Erdogan didn't just beat uh, the uh, the challenger, uh, Mr. Kemal Kilishdarolo. He also had uh, multiple obstacles, and multiple um, problems to deal with. One of them was the earthquake, which was a massive earthquake. The earthquake, like this, it was actually a twin earthquake, both one uh, 7.7 and the other 7.8 at the Richter scale. Uh, and, uh, you know, just right. to give, uh, just I mean, to that give was, your audience. We talked about that on our show before, that this was such a huge, uh, you know, tragedy that took place, natural disaster. But uh, what did you go ahead and finish your sentence uh, to give our audience? what? Yeah. Yeah. Just to give the audience a, a bit of background, you know, the debris that was taken out from the uh, First of all, the area that was impacted is like Germany in size. So it's huge. It's wow. 13 provinces. Like millions of people have been displaced. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, there was like a, a death toll of 50,000. But, you know, like we have millions of people who have uh, been displaced and they need services. And, they, and, and this is a lot of economic loss, a lot of terrible uh, tragedy, human tragedy. So all of this was three months before the election. Yeah, just like so at the height, right? Country, yeah, right, right before the election actually took place. Uh, in any other country, what would have happened? Yeah, any in any other country, this would have been delayed. There would be, uh, you know, claims for a force majeure, and people would have, uh, you know, done uh, things differently. But not in Turkey because the the pressure, you know, the the opposition would claim that this is like a power play and that mm. the people are trying to mess with the political process. And so he has to, to take the challenge. And, uh, you know, so there was the earthquake. There is an economic downturn that is hitting Turkey since like uh, two years now. Uh, and, you know, plus, you know, uh, the, the challenger was not alone. There was a coalition of uh, six, uh, in fact, seven um, parties from the far left to the far uh, right and everything in between uh so they were all they were all, like you, they were all united point. yeah i want to get more into that a little bit that you know he had all all the obstacles that were facing him but maybe um a lot of people were are not familiar with uh, turkey or turkey and the background and its importance and um i mean you know elections happen all over the world Right in many countries, yeah. there are elections happening right now somewhere. Uh, however, some for some reason, whenever there's elections in Turkey, the world attention, the biggest um, media outlets in the world, are covering it as if it's you know their own elections. And I'm I'm looking at headlines here uh, just in a in a Google search, 
And uh, stories after the elections are saying things like, you know, the Turkish election swung from hope to despair and uh, political lessons from the 2023 Turkish elections. And uh, people, uh, you know, the Washington Post wrote something that um, Turkey points uh, to a global trend, you know, free uh, but unfair elections. But even before the election took place in Turkey, uh, there was all this anti-Erdogan, uh, like, you know, uh, campaigning or media and stories. Many of them hoped for the opposition to win, and many predicted that the opposition would win uh, because uh, of the things that you mentioned, the economy and the earthquake. And the one thing they, um, especially you know, Western media pointed to that the uh, growing authoritarian trend of the current regime um, under Erdogan. Why is it? Why does Turkey get so much attention? Uh, Turkey's elections get so much attention. Why does Erdogan get so much attention and so much hate, basically, from uh, from the media, especially Western media? Yeah, well, um, I'm glad you asked. I mean, actually, it's uh, it's one of the greatest puzzles. Uh, you know, uh, the reality is Turkey is a very important country. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it has a potential. It has a great potential, potential economic and um, political and military. Uh, as we ha- we have seen, um, Turkey has flexed some muscles recently. Um, you know, and intervening in some areas like Libya, intervening in some areas like Syria. So, so Turkey is no longer that uh, you know that lackey that used to be the case, like you know, 30 years ago. It's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it has a personality. President Erdogan has leadership. He 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 is not intending to be the the spear carrier of anybody. He has his own uh, national interests in mind. He wants Turkey to be um, a country that earns respect, that is, uh, you know, respected for what it is. It doesn't follow the orders of anybody. So I think this is this is the crux of the matter. You know, it's uh, it is about uh, the, an independent uh, foreign policy and independent uh, leadership. So th- this kind of uh, of trend is not uh, to the taste of many um, circles and many uh, forces. Um, they want Turkey to remain as it was, just basically following uh, uh, orders and uh, not uh, having any say on anything. So, for example, even though uh, NATO, uh, uh, Turkey is a, is a member of NATO, but uh, they had their conditions. You want to access to NATO, you have to respect my uh, as you as you as you are having this membership uh, to 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 the NATO alliance for Sweden, for example, or for. Uh, or for uh, Finland, Turkey has also some some national security concerns because there are there have been some terrorist operatives uh, that took uh, a safe haven in uh, in Finland and in and, and Sweden. And unless those uh, concerns are dealt with, uh, Turkey will refuse. I mean, Turkey is not there to just sign paper. It, it has right. its condition. It has its concerns. So I think this is what makes a lot of circles uh, kind, kind of very antagonistic and 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 to your point uh the media media framing and the media coverage of uh, of uh, the turkey in general the elections in turkey in general especially the past 20 years and president erdogan in particular are, are very very bad it's uh, for me as somebody who studies and um, ha, you know has an interest in studying media uh it's it, the western media mainstream media 
uh, it was a major letdown. Right. Uh, particularly in the lead up to the, to, into the first round, the narrative was biased, and the tone of voice was, uh, to be honest, borderline obnoxious. Very, very um, anti. It's almost like you know, um, in U.S. elections. Uh, they have something, you know, uh, a phrase called earned media or free media, because usually people campaigning have to spend lots of money to get their ads on television. However, politicians are always trying to do things to get attention by doing what's called earned media or free media, by doing news stories or being in the headlines. Um, however, in this situation, you've got the opposition who was running against Erdogan. You're saying these, you know, six or seven different parties that built an alliance together to defeat him. They're getting worldwide free media, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth Absolutely. Uh, of, of Absolutely. attacks, of attacks constantly. And these are not ads. These are full stories, video uh, by uh, European and Western media and some even in the Middle East that are attacking Erdogan constantly and also on social media, depicting him as some sort of dictator. But, but the one thing that, uh, you know, because, you know, obviously I... I I'm originally from Egypt. I know what dictatorship is. I know Mubarak. I've, I've seen what's happening with Sisi. I'm, I'm from the area, but you know, I've never seen a dictator that has to go to a runoff election. I've never seen a dictator that doesn't win by you know eighty, ninety percent of the vote. I've never seen a dictator that is has to go campaign nonstop and work so hard. So where is where is a dictatorship that they're actually pointing to? If this is somebody who's you know. The election was uh, this close, especially in the first round. You know, he he could not clinch the vote. You know, off the bat. Yeah, well, absolutely, you are spot on. Uh, unfortunately, what we've seen is that you know there was no real objective or impartial coverage of this. Uh, you know, these elections. I mean, in general, um, you know, I, I've I've done like I've uh, published a report back in 2018, uh, 2018 about. Uh, the elections like five years ago and the problem was was there and it was there before that um you know i studied about 57 different news outlets uh some of them were from the you know like the economist the uh, guardian um like in in britain and and you have like uh, financial times uh, wall street journal and they all had this negative campaigning like almost running for the other guy and like you said uh, you know i mean it takes a lot of money i mean if the if any uh, challenger wants to have this kind of coverage but it's for free it's given to them for free and the aim is to um dent the chances of erdogan and and uh, get like a negative uh, image of him in, in the international media. And, and sadly, this time too, it was the case. And Kemal uh, Kedesh Daroglu, who is the challenger, become, uh, became a catalyst for this disinformation campaign, if not also a launch, uh, a launch pad for it. And to your point, there, there were multiple frames at play. And uh, I think one of the prominent one was the what we call the dictatorship frame, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, tries to depict the president as some sort of dictator. And exactly what you said, uh, I mean, where is this dictator that can lose the election? And that's, you know, he won like very close, uh, you know, this time. And he needed the run up. Where, where else you can find a dictator that goes through this? I mean, we, we know, like you said, the, dicta the, the, the real dictators, they win all 99% in sham elections. Right. This was a very contested election it was free and competitive election they, there are observers from all over the world 
there is no possibility to 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 uh, have any kind of fraud in this election. The election security is top notch in in, in Turkey. It's better even uh, than some uh, Western countries. So. Even the campaign, you know, the the president he ran a very realistic campaign, making no false pledges. He he pushed back, you know, against a barrage of disinformation. I mean, the opponent was was giving like a lot of claims that that were not really uh, re- were false, were borderline false. They were they were not credible. They were not consistent. He did like complete U-turn. The the the, the Western media, for example, uh, branded him as uh, Gandhi. We have like a Korean. Yeah, he had this uh, cute name. He was a Turkish Gandhi, and he. I mean, the guy seemed like uh, personable, and he he received a lot of coverage from state media. It wasn't like he was silenced. I I saw him have rallies. So when when this is what what doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, Dictatorship is they arrest the opposition, they put them in jail, they don't let them run for office. But it seemed here like they were free to raise money. They were free to uh, hold rallies and um, to go on television and 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 and, and not you know, only offer that, they had more money. They oh. had more money. Really? How did they have more money than Erdogan? They had more money. You have to see, like even the smallest party of the six or seven parties that I told you, the the, the coalition, mm-hmm. they had like buildings all over town. They they rented places like it's impossible. You can you cannot imagine the amount of money that we have seen in this campaign. It's huge. Mm. You cannot like a, a, a party that was born yesterday cannot have this realistically this kind of amount of. Money. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, what do you in, mean a party in, that was born yesterday? What are you referring to? Well, you have like okay, the coalition. There there is like the the CHP, which is the main. A kind of social democrat party, which is uh, Mr. Kamal Kilishdarolo uh, is from. Mm-hmm. Then there are other parties. There are the junior parties are only in, have only been incepted a year ago, a year and a half ago, and they are very small parties. Like actually, four of them they only got one person of the vote. So oh. that gives you an, an idea about the kind oh, of four. Side they four have. of the parties only received together. Together, together okay. received the one person. So even though, okay, so uh, by the way, if you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF. I'm speaking to Dr. Tariq Sherkawi, who is the director of research at TRT World Research Center. And as a disclaimer, I uh, previously consulted or, you know, appeared uh, on TRT World, did work with them. And um, we have to put that disclaimer uh, out there. Uh, Tariq, um, you're not uh, Turkish yourself. Uh, however, you've how long have you been in Turkey and monitoring no, I'm and not, following? I'm I'm not a Turkish national. Um, I'm uh, actually from New Zealand, a New Zealand national, and okay. I've been in Turkey for five years. And but you've been following developments um, in Turkey and Turkish politics uh, for much uh, longer yeah, than for that, much longer, as much well longer, as yes. uh, as well as uh, media and uh, you know and communications strategy. Absolutely. For those that are not familiar, if we can just do like a brief background or a history lesson on um, why is this so surprising? Uh, 2023, you know, this was a historic election for a number of reasons. This is actually the uh, 100-year anniversary of the Turkish Republic, Turkia Republic. How did we get here? What was there before that? And um, if we could just go do just a quick, you know, maybe five-minute history lesson here of um, how did Turkey 
Turkey a transition from what it was 100 years ago to what it has become now. Um, so before Turkey, there was the Ottoman Empire, obviously. Uh, how did Turkey yeah. come about, this, this nation? Well, um, you know, um, for those who, who know a little bit of history, well, as you said, there was the, the, the Ottoman Empire before, but uh, after facing so many difficulties internationally and nationally, uh, there was the decision to accept uh, uh, a, a, a republic instead of a, of a, monarch, a monarchical system. And, uh, you know, one of the prominent generals who uh, fought for the independence of Turkey against different um, protagonists and, uh, you know, international powers, including main, Greece. Main, but, mainly Greece know, and the British, right? Yeah, and the British, yes. Uh, so uh, basically, he 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 won those uh, those struggles against these forces and managed to incept a, a republic in, in in 1923, so 100 years ago exactly. And after that, he engaged into a process of uh, you know re-engineering the whole you know social, economic, and political field. And one of he and he this was a very top-down, very harsh uh, re-engineering uh, move that he incepted and. And it created a lot of uh, cracks within the, within society, especially between conservatives and uh, you know the secular uh, secularism that he promoted. A, a type of secularism was which was based on the French model, which was a kind of uh, you know really harsh and uh, really. Uh, I mean, he. You know, you're uh, speaking about uh, Mustafa Kemal Atatürk, who's uh, Atatürk, yes. the founder of modern day Turkey. Um, he himself yes. uh, was from within the Ottoman Empire, and he was a, um, I guess he was from he the was military. He was a previous general, general in the military, yes. So uh, when, when you say, and, and now, you know, because I've been to Turkey many times, and he's yeah. almost like a godlike figure, you know, uh, well, not to be blasphemous for, for many Turkish people. Like everywhere you go, you see his statues, you see his pictures. He is, um, you know, someone that, you know, so many Turkish people, uh, you know, praise. Some people even go as far as worshiping, it seems. Uh, but but you're saying he went on some sort of campaign to uh, reconstruct the whole society and change it, you know, culturally, education, everything. And that created some yeah. cracks in the system. So uh, what are, what are so, the main so campaigns that said, he did, like some of the examples? So, well, you know, like for for example, he wanted to westernize society. This was like, you know, Ottoman Empire was very religious uh, society before, very turned into the, the the Orient, the East, very Muslim. There was a strong Muslim uh, identity, uh, and also the belonging to this uh, Ottoman uh, Empire was based on religion. It was based on on on, on uh, nationalism on anything so he had to it wasn't a, it was a not an identity it, it was not an ethnic or a national origin yes. type it was uh, or or it was based on religion that was the identity makeup of the ottomans Absolutely. if you so and, and it, it doesn't mean mm. it doesn't mean an, an exclusive identity like there were there were people from other religions and they, they were part of the system but primarily you know you belong to the ottoman empire as a defender of uh, of uh, you know uh, the religion of Islam and other religions are also have the prominent place and they can have their freedoms and liberties uh, to exert their 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 beliefs and and things like that. But the the, the thing is the re-engineering was more like to. 
to uh, a kind of do a U-turn from this orientation into a more uh, nation-state type that would be uh, the land of the Turks. It has nothing to do with religion. It is more about uh, you know the 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 the, the, the the, the linkages with uh, with one uh, ethnicity and one language, which is the Turkish language. Mm. So now, to your point, there were a lot of people, of course, respect him and love him, and because they see him as the the founder of the nation, and because of his uh, successes or military successes, and the fact that he prevented Turkey from uh, from falling prey to um, to colonialism and colonial powers and losing its uh, you know its uh, essence. So that's why there are a lot of people who. Um, as you said, has uh, have lots of respect. There, there, there are lots of books about him, a lot of uh, um, you know, even public holidays about him, and, and and the respect runs deep. So, but the problems is not in in, in him per se. It's about like how the trajectory of the republic become. And mm. for uh, for many many years, there was no democracy. Uh, there was just one one party. The actually the CHP. Uh, from which the challenger uh, is, I mean, Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu is the. Uh, is the party that was incepted by so uh, that party that the party of Ataturk is still uh, alive today and they were the main yes. they were the leaders of the alliance that was going um you know in this runoff election against Erdogan and they lost yes hmm. but this uh, this is not the first time they have been losing uh, since actually uh, you know a long time since 2002 and even before that party was was not like the most popular. There were like other parties, and then, you know, as as soon as there was some other party coming, then the military would 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 do a coup d'état, and uh, you know, kind of uh, put the the situation into uh, you know, peg back the situation to square one, where the CHP would be powerful and or at least running things uh, from behind the from behind the curtains. Uh, so here, I mean, the situation has changed, and this is why. Part of the successes of the AK Party, which is the party of President Erdogan, uh, is um, is the fact that he, it has done more democratization than uh, you know than his credited than the, for. Than the for example, secularists. Yes, because mm-hmm. he has removed the power of the military. The, the 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 military institution is no longer that, that that institution that interferes that meddles into elections or or into the power the civilian power uh, so this thing has been removed and this is a big credit to president erdogan to the to the to the ak party uh, unfortunately the western media as you said they they don't paint this uh, this picture they have a different picture they just you know which is Clearly out of sync with with reality, they want to depict the Turkish president as dictatorial, as as repressive, a repressive ruler. Uh, but this is uh, something that doesn't uh, pan out. And even like some some uh, commentators, like uh, Sam Hanna in Newsweek recently, he he openly called Western media to to drop this nonsense. And and you know, even uh, foreign policy, they had like a shy Mia. Mea culpa in, uh, in their edition of the 17th of May, but this was uh, again too little, too late. You know, they, they kind of some of the, there are some voices that say, "Oh, we got it wrong," but again, it's you know the new, next election we will see the same frames, uh, you know, happening again. And some of the media they were really, really nasty, like the Economist or, or Le Point, the yeah. French uh, magazine. I mean, I saw they the Economist, to, the Economist especially. Yeah. I mean, Le Pen, yeah, okay, they. They can be provocative, and of course, Charlie Hebdo did the same, uh, you know, depictions. However, the Economist just seems to have 
this campaign of constantly attacking yeah. Erdogan. I mean, is it to try to you know discredit and and, and hurt the economy? Because and also F- Financial Times does the same thing. It seems yes. like they're obsessed with Erdogan. Well, I think this is uh, you know they are used. I think they represent some forces and some some voices in in some Western countries that uh, want. You know, don't want change. They don't want this uh, this emerging nations uh, that you know or middle powers like Turkey, um, you know, from having from looking at their interests and defending their interests. They want to do the situation that existed like forty years ago, five fifty years ago, where you the have status that, quo. A, a, a status quo, a diktat from powerful nations, and the the less powerful nations will, will just uh, abide and 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 do whatever they are. Yeah, client, like and a client they, they have, state they, model. Exactly, the client state model is the the model they love, and this is why, in reality, if they cared about uh, about democracy that much as they claim, why is somebody like uh, you know the Egyptian president or other presidents not receiving any kind of criticism mm-hmm. on, on those platforms? Even though we know that democracy is not their forte, and that you know there have been major uh, abuses. <laughs> Completely of opposite. Rights. Their forte is dictatorship. I mean, that's all they know. <laughs> that's. I mean, Absolutely. try to to try to uh, say anything in in uh, in Egypt, but however, um, you will not I find mean, any criticism. We have criticism. seen the Egyptian president having the red carpet in 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 France, in Paris, and going to the Le Louvre, and these, you know, received with open arms. Okay, I mean, this might be like state to state business and state to state deals. But don't come and lecture the world and, you know, just choose President Erdogan to be your target for this while. I mean, he has been like effectively campaigning day and night to to win these elections. And he has like since, you know, like at least uh, the, the last six months doing everything he can to, to win. I mean, this, this proves that this is a very healthy public sphere and that, you know, these are free and competitive elections. And the... the and the, the worst enemy of this, uh, you know, opposition are themselves. They have been completely off the mark. They didn't have a plan B. You know, we can talk about that if you want, you okay. know, that there are, you know. Sure. Let's uh, just remind our listeners, this is uh, True Talk on WMNF 88.5. If you're new to this uh, show, because um, we're now at a new time slot, today is actually our first day. We moved from 11 a.m. to 12 noon so this is a global affairs show, um, and we focus on the uh, Middle East, the Muslim world, and foreign policy. My uh, my name is Ahmed Badir, and my co-host is Samar Jarrah. She's uh, out for today. I'm speaking to Tariq Shirkawi. Dr. Shirkawi is the director of research at the TRT World Research Center. And um, we're speaking about the Turkey elections, Turkey elections that just took place. Um, so... Erdogan comes from, he's often depicted as this Islamist or Muslim, uh, has, however, Turkey still is a secular uh, democracy. It's not governed by Islamic law or Sharia or, you know, the things that people try to scare us uh, about. Um, how is it that, you know, that through, even though there was this harsh campaign of secularization and changing uh, Turkey in the past hundred years to become more, um, you know, Western secular following the French model of secular uh, secularism, not the American model, which is division between church and state. It seems like Erdogan was trying to go more towards the American model um, rather than the French one. But how did, how did 
he ever be, you know come to power um, under those circumstances, especially in a society that was uh, very much elitist and did not allow uh, people of you know religious backgrounds to get into politics? Uh, well, I think uh, one of the, the strong points of uh, Erdogan as a political career or political trajectory was that he he understood that there is a divide in Turkey between the center and the periphery. That you know those elitist people, those uh, you know urban uh, kind of um, you know elites, uh, they are not the majority in the country. They are the minority, and actually they 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 use the military and they do coup d'état in the past to uh, implement their policies. But now as the situation has, uh, you know, evolved and the society has evolved and more democracies uh, was, uh, you know, asked by, by the population. So he uh, understood this uh, divide between the center and periphery. And actually it, every time he would, whenever there is like some kind of, uh, you know, uh, trying people trying to force his hands from the elites, he would turn to the population and say, okay, let's have an election now. And the election would prove him right and he would win. And this is how he got like, uh, he democratized Turkey more and more. And this is how he got rid of the of the yoke of the military institution that uh, existed for a long time. Um, and to your point, yes, he, you know, uh, President Erdogan or his party, the AK party has never claimed to be Islamist, has never claimed to be uh, doing any sort of Islamist politics or or uh, trying to implement Sharia. This is not their aim. It has never been their aim. Uh, what they aim is to be like something like, like the CDU. I don't know if you know this party in, in, in Germany, one of the prominent parties, which is the Christian Democrat Party, which means like they, they, they are a conservative. They are a, 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 a party that is on the right side, on the center side of the spectrum, the, the center right but is a, a conservative party, which means it has its it aims to have like family values, it enforces like those values, but it's not an Islamist party and it's, it never claimed to be one. Uh, but of, of course, you know, the, the, the opposition, the people who uh, dislike this party, they dislike this, uh, are, are all uh, initially from the left, and especially, uh, you know, the, the liberal left. And uh, they try to depict this party as an Islamist party. And uh, of course, even the Western media, they don't do their homework. It's very lazy journalism. It's uh, kind of parachute journalism. Yeah. They come and they, they, talk those, uh, they took those, uh, those frames and used them, uh, you know, abundantly. Oftentimes, these labels, uh, liberal left and conservative, the ones uh, that are used in Europe don't necessarily translate to the same in the United States. So... Our station um, would probably say that most of the listeners are, you know, somewhat liberal and uh, are on the left. Um, however, it seems like, uh, you know, our left, our Democrats, our social Democrats, the Bernie Sanders um, of uh, American politics are more like the center of, uh, yes. of European uh, parties, you know, the things that they're asking for, like free education yes, and absolutely. universal health care is actually the center. So when you talk about the yes. Christian, um, you know, the CDU, the Christian Democrats yeah. Union in Germany, yeah. they tend to be, you know, they're called center right there. However, yeah. that would be the left here in America because everything is so skewed uh, towards the right. Yes. Um, um, in the United States, and, and, and things are very polar opposites. 
uh, because yeah, you thank know, even, you, thank you very much right. for uh, you know for uh, you know bringing this because I mean these are essential parallels and sometimes people get lost in the label, but the reality is uh, it's not the label; it's the politi- the policies that matter. And in this case, as you said, you know uh, they are more like the center is more into the you know the the, the U.S. left is more into a center format in Europe. So, um, because with Erdogan, what I noticed was even though um, he is labeled as uh, to the right or center right, however, he's pro-refugees and he's pro-immigration, whereas the yeah. leftist, the, the people that were yeah. running against him, are staunchly uh, using yes. anti-refugee rhetoric and even uh, they were claiming... saying xenophobic theme. Yeah, uh, tra- um, uh, what is it called? Uh, either Islamophobic or Arab phobia or even xenophobia, yeah. saying that they will kick out all these refugees, millions of them that have now left Syria and other parts of the world that have been relocated to Turkey. Uh, Turkey, and because the economy, I want to talk about the economy also uh, in in a bit. But because the economy is doing bad, they were scapegoating these refugees, and the opposition was promising to kick out all these refugees. So how is it that this person, and that's kind of the the double standards of um, that you have political parties in Europe and media outlets that are supposed to be liberal, that are also advocating for refugees. But when it comes to Erdogan, they're advocating against him and for his opponents that want to kick out the refugees. So how can you be both for refugees and for a democracy, but at the same time you want to, when it comes to Turkey and Erdogan, you want to support the people that are against the values that you are claiming to represent. And this is a double standard yeah, well, that I see. It's, it's, it's almost it's, like it's, the Erdogan I mean, the Erdogan exception, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, you really, if you if you have people who do their homework and, and study closely, you know, the themes, study, you know, what uh, have been the promises, the pledges of different candidates, they would... They would definitely see uh, President Erdogan as uh, more democratic. You know, he's trying to do a, a lot for the people. He's uh, also uh, doing a lot on the social side, trying to, uh, you know, give something as, uh, you know, the welfare state should, uh, you know, give to the people who have been affected by by this, uh, you know, economic uh, volatility. Uh, I mean, the, 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 cha- the challenger was like all over the place. I mean, you cannot really... Uh, understand his uh, you know his aims yeah his somebody, message somebody uh, sent an email saying uh, uh, what was the platform his opposition ran on and um, he also has a you know this is Robert who sent this email saying you know thank you for the view on correct view on Erdogan how is security and social justice in Turkey Turkey and what was the platform uh, the opposition ran on. So maybe you can take the first question. What was the platform of the opposition? You're saying it wasn't clear because it was jumping back and forth, but what was it? Yeah. What did it start with? What did it end up with? And then if we can go to the second question about, you know, I of guess uh, security and social justice for people there, especially, if, you know, of maybe course. expats so, that move there. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, uh, you know, initially uh, there was a, a discourse uh, from from the opposition uh, about unity. So what they wanted with this, uh, actually, this uh, coalition, they built, they, they brought like uh, uh, people and parties from totally different uh, spectrums, like far left to the far right and everything in between, like an Islamist party, uh, a nationalist party, a conservative party, and the far left party all together 
in, into this mishmash uh, coalition, also called the Table of Six. So, you know, the, the, the reality was that they wanted to kind of corner uh, Erdogan and the AK party and his coalition into, you know, like, okay, now we have everybody, so we will be able to, because there is this impression of the CHP that it's a very elitist, it's a, it's a very, uh, you know, out of touch with the common aspirations of the Turkish people. So by, you know, Kilish one of the, the one of his main strategies was to open the field to other political actors, including especially uh, conservative and right, uh, you know, wings and Islamist parties into into this coalition in order to 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 um, you know have a, a wider appeal and you know have like people from conservative you know Turkish society and also some other ethnic groups like the uh, Kurdish uh, groups which have been heavily um, repressed in the past by the CHP in the, in the you know uh, like 50 years ago 40 years ago so so they wanted to change this like a, it's a rebranding kind of activity that took place so that's number one a unifying uh, strategy. The second, like diversity and unifying also, uh, strategy, because I saw that they had, even uh, they had, and and when you say, when you say Kilic Daraolu, he is the opposite. He was the leader of the opposition, and he was the one that they all got behind uh, to uh, run for president in opposition to Erdogan. Yeah. Within his coalition, he had members in uh, that alliance that were former. Uh, allies of Erdogan that were part of his party that left the uh, you know Erdogan's yes. party and joined and built their own uh, party and joined that alliance. So he even had some Muslim-leaning uh, politicians on that side, and including women with hijab. I mean, this was this yeah. was the same party this before that was against anti you know <laughs> against the hijab and would not yeah. allow it. I mean, there was you know when Erdogan came into power twenty years ago, women could not wear the headscarf. Um, yeah. To go to public, to go until to university. Until ten years ago, until ten years ago, they can't go to like to universities. They can't work. They can't go to any public office. Yeah, up until they ten years ago. To, yeah. So these are the up same people 10, that 10, were pushing 10, that, and they were up in opposition when the law was changed to allow it to happen. Now they're having women with hijab in their party. You know, I mean, that's a big change. So one thing, yeah, okay. yeah, it's a big change, and it's it's it was like a political uh, kind of strategy in order to actually, you know, get all kind of uh, ammunition they could in order to, you know, to, uh, to win and to prevail and defeat okay, so uh, then, you know, Erdogan. So then what was the other thing that, you know, after that strategy? The other thing is like they had like also because the communication tactics of Kilesh Darulu was about, you know, talking to the millennials and Gen Z. Uh, so he brought a lot of promises of love and forgiveness and, you know, talking the language of General Z and also having these hearts, you know, one of the symbols is the heart sign, you know, in every, uh, in every oh, you rally, mean when they do that, when that they way. do the heart yeah. symbol with your hands and you put two, <laughs> so this was what, what this old man was doing, like kind of yes. being more trendy. He, he wanted to be like, okay, if Erdogan is like, you know, hated by the youth, you know, I, I will tap into that reservoir maybe because the youth, they don't know what's happened before like 20 years or 30 years. They don't have this this baggage. So let me try and reach out to them and maybe I can change their minds and, you know, reflect, you know, and as we know, millennials and General Z, they prefer positive messaging. They respond better to calls for care and compassion and things like that. So so there, there, there are five million new voters and he, he wanted to tap into that. So he, he started look, uh, doing a lot of uh, reach out, uh, you know, outreach activities to them and trying to do this. 
So another thing that he tried as part of his uh, his campaign is, uh, you know, he tried to be like the humble kind because he's he tried to to say that I'm different than Erdogan. I am, you know, like lots of his videos were from his kitchen, and he would like uh, appear as the simple man who 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 doesn't, you know, he's not he's not like this alpha male type. He's not that masculine leadership. He's more like a normal guy. So you know. So he's trying to tap also into this reservoir and, and looking as, you okay. know, as So this is more, who, again, who's... about identity, but did they, what about their policies? Yeah. I mean, did they have any yeah, solutions the, to fix the economy or some of the, the other things? No, that's the thing. That's the thing. They avoided talking about uh, foreign policy as much as possible. The uh, economy was just fluff. You know, hey, one of the... One of the things he mentioned, Kilij uh, Daoulo, that I'm going to bring $300 billion from, from, from the UK, from London. Uh, and he never elaborated what is this $300 billion? Is it a loan? Is it from the IMF? What, what is it exactly? And he, he refused. And they, there is nothing about how they're going to fix the economy. They're just attacking Erdogan, attacking the, 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 the kind of uh, volatility that exists right now uh, mm. in the financial and economic side. But there is nothing, no, no uh, prognosis whatsoever. On, onto that side. So this is why even like I, I saw some Western um, so Western uh, analysts and they are deeply anti, uh, anti-Erdogan. Mm-hmm. And they, when they met, they met Kilish Darulo in London and they were very disappointed. They tweeted about that. They said, we are disappointed. I mean, this guy, I mean, we, we thought that he's going to change, you know, and bring something, but he, he himself doesn't understand how economies working and and he they were very disillusioned when they when they met if you're just joining us this is true talk on wmnf 88.5 i'm speaking to Tarek sharkawi he's the director of research that's the um, trt world research center and we're speaking about turkey and the recent elections that took place there before you get to the next question about um social you know justice and security there because one of our Listeners actually is considering uh, moving to the area. Um, I want to read an email from Twinkle, um, Yohim, Yohim, who said, Hello from Twinkle. Thank you for your show. Uh, please thank your guest. So Twinkle, thanks you. Um, a good reminder to be cautious of spin. I'm grateful to have your perspective and knowledge. Much love, Twinkle. So tell us, uh, what is, how is uh, security and, 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 and justice there? Um, you know, by the police and other things? Well, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, I, 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 I can relate my own experience. I've lived in Turkey for the past five years. I, I, I think it's uh, one of the safest place, places I've been. I, I'm a, a well-traveled uh, person. I've been into, like, I, I worked in six countries in, in four different continents. I can tell you that policing in Turkey is one of the most effective there is a lot of you know safety here. It's a it's a family uh, you know family friendly environment. Um, so in terms of the justice system, uh, of course there are areas to be improved. But uh, generally, uh, the the justice system is functioning, and uh, you know like nobody is uh, uh, above the law. Like even if the, these people can be like uh, higher ups in, in in different places, but they still face, you know, if there is anything, you know, they face, they face the consequences in, in justice. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I, I'm saying that it's better than many, many other places around the world. And, uh, you know, the, the thing I have been seeing myself and witnesses from my own eyes is that this is a, for those who are contemplating moving to Turkey or working in Turkey, it's a, it's a great place to be. 
Right, but of course, uh, not there's uh, not enough people speak English there, so it can be a challenge in that way. You'd have yeah, to that's use, a Google, challenge. You know, use Google Translate, or you know, uh, or yes. live in a neighborhood that has more English speakers. But you know, um, when the coup took place, uh, if you, and you know, we only have a couple of minutes left, so your answers kind of have to be brief. But when it took the coup, uh, took the attempted military coup that took place, like you know, seven years ago. Uh, or, or so, um, Erdogan uh, responded his regime in in very harsh ways, and some would call by arresting you know tens of thousands of people. Um, have, is, is some human rights organizations have complained that that's not democratic. I mean, was that an overreaction, or was it just something that needed to happen? How do they justify it? Maybe you don't necessarily need to give your personal opinion, but how? How do they justify it? And are those people working through the system? Have they been released? And, you know, what's going on there? No, the, re- the reality is people should put things into context. I mean, the, the coup was uh, was not just uh, a normal coup, like a few military people. No, it was deeper than that. This is an organization called FETO that has been active for, like for 40, at least 40 years. And they have infiltrated a lot of the uh, of the you know different different uh, aspects of public life including the government including the military including the justice system including media including the financial sector so they were very very powerful it becomes a a, a, a non-elected uh, power that has a lot of power over like the power of the government and and that coup was just the culmination the, the attempt to seize power directly was a culmination of this uh, of these efforts that have been building like for for, for forty years plus. Uh, so therefore, the challenge is great. Like any country, like we look at the United States when you had these events on on January sixth. Look at how you know, like the, the the investigation now they take place, and you have like people who have been associated with some law enforcement agencies, and everybody at the end will have to pay the price for their consequences because the democracy is there for for a reason. It has to be respected by all participants and be uh, respected by all all people. Otherwise, if uh, any party tries to use force in order to seize power, then it's not acceptable. Mm. And uh, nobody is above the law, as I said. So the justification is exactly like that. There are people who are journalists, but in fact, they were operatives of those, um, you know, terrorist, uh, you know, organization and subversive uh, organizations. So uh, are they trying him and putting him in court because he's a journalist? No. Are they putting him behind bars because of his uh, other activities? Yes. So it's very simple as an equation. Unfortunately, not uh, you know there's no uh, um, you know nuances uh, when it comes to media coverage of this. But if people examine those cases, there there is no uh, journalist that is in prison because of his opinions. Okay. Any, any, yeah, we're out of time now. But thank you so much, yes, Tarshir Kawi, for giving us so much. I'd love to have you back on so we can uh, you know talk more about Turkey and what's happening there. Uh, that was Tarek Sharkawi. He is the Director of Research at TRT World Research Center. Thank you for being with us. This is WMNF Tampa. NPR News is next. Have a great weekend. We'll see you here next week, same time, same place.